Okay, let's do a quick review on um, just uh, the overarching, what, what, what's the theme that we've been covering the last few weeks? Slavery. Slavery and how it's upheld in the Bible and it's a good thing, right? I saw a nod from somebody. I, I won't call out who. No, no, no. Okay, what, what about slavery? What are we talking about? Uh, well, I missed last week, but right, we're on meeting. Okay. <laughs> but, but basically that, I mean, from what I remember from two weeks before, essentially that what is in place to not, um, essentially to not tear it up and cause a riot or unnecessary strife, um, or, or tear, or to tear down what is already in place, um, and wait for the proper time, I guess, so to speak, in that aspect. Yeah, and I guess more what we talked about last week beyond slavery is not, not I guess, abusing the word of God for your own personal gain, mm -hmm. right? And, and that relates to the slavery argument in that even though slavery is wrong and Paul in general, Paul especially condemns um, flesh peddlers, yeah. you know, not debt slavery. But e e these systems exist. And so those people that are trying to use the word of God to say, well, you know, I'm no longer obligated to you, for instance, um, are in, in, a, in a sense taking the letter of the law and ignoring the spirit of it or the letter of the word. And they're saying they're looking at how they can profit from it personally. Yeah. And these were used in Paul's day. Um, the, the slaves were actually trying to be freed and actually in American history, these were used against the slaves, by the way. Um, and, and in both cases, they're, they're trying to use the Bible's words to benefit themselves and to actually cheat somebody else out of something. Right. Or to, uh, well, in our, in our case, um, as, as Americans, this is to domineer to, to oppress actually other people for, for your own benefit, which is never a good thing. That's never, that's, that's not what he's talking about. Right. He's talking about actually getting away from that. Um, okay. So that's where we, um, he talks about, and the last week we said, um, the, about the constant arguing people that have, uh, basically destroyed their minor and are being kept from the truth because they think that somehow uh, this new religion of Christianity is um, that they can be godly and, and use it to gain more profit. Okay. Which is kind of keeping in theme with everything that we've, that we've talked about as far as um, yeah, just using the religion to, to gain wealth. Like this is a, this is a huge problem and he's speaking out against this. And that's where we pick up. Um, would somebody like to read verses six through 10? And we're probably only gonna get through, you know, a verse or two, but this this is a very, uh, this is a, a paragraph, a chunk that he really, um, put some uh, pretty famous words here um, that, that, we're gonna, that we're gonna read. Will somebody read that for us? You're volunteering. That's what it seemed like. I am volunteering. Go ahead, Lauren. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. 
for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from their faith and their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's a, that's a pretty famous um, text right there, right? Most of us heard it. The love of money, right? Is the root of all kinds of evils. And uh, some people translate as, as uh, it's the root of all evil, but it's, it's actually just, it's not every single evil is rooted in that. That's not how it's supposed to be understood, but just like it just opens up the world of evil when you love money and uh, to all sorts of nasty things. Okay. I like that he transitions from verse five. If you look at the end of verse five there, um, he says, who think godliness is a means of financial gain. And he's talking about people with depraved mind and always arguing and always selfish. And he says, but godliness he makes the uh, the transition. He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So in verse five, he's trying to say like, well, you know, using godliness to get gain is a problem. But now he's saying godliness with contentment is great gain. What do we see? What do we see is the big difference? There's a word in there, obviously. But what do we see uh, as far as principles? What are the big differences between verses five and six? contentment okay which means what self-explanatory but it is go ahead <laughs> peace of mind okay yeah being satisfied with your current position yeah it's the understanding of being sufficient okay having sufficiency so in other words um um yeah the the, the big the big uh, difference between vibe and six is that there is somebody who wants more and continuing to have an uncontrollable urge or an, an urge on some level to have more and more and then someone who is like yeah i i've got everything i need right okay um, but it, it says, it, this is interesting though. He says, but in the same context, he says, godliness is great gain with contentment. So how do we understand that? Great gain for what? To me, peace of mind is extremely important. Okay. And what do you mean by that? What's, what, how do you have the peace of mind? not feeling that I am going against my principles is a big one and knowing that if I do something, if I do it the best I can, that is satisfying peace of mind as well. Yeah. Yeah. What does it mean? Um, anybody else? 
what great game. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking kind of to add to what Rachel was saying in the sense that it's that contentment being um, like having that peace and being okay with where you're at, I think is um, like food and covering. It, it makes me think of uh, that, um, what Jesus talks about in, in Matthew, you know, just um, God takes care of the birds in the sky. How much more will he take care of you? Uh, and I think that aspect of it's it's great gain when we understand that like Jesus alone is where our contentment or contentment should come from right it's it's like this world is passing away and also it's lust but the one who does the will of God lives forever right and it and it's just kind of if you submit to God and and you choose to enter into that relationship with him I'm then I think from that, like things come into perspective where it's like, we're just here for a short while, but eternity is so much, so much longer. And then that's like, okay, yeah, this is, this is a rough situation for me, maybe that I'm in, but, but I have Jesus. So the, the word gain there is actually the same word as the one before the, the prophet. Okay. It's actually the same exact Greek word where it was talking about monetary gain, maybe before, uh, not limited to that, but definitely emphasizing uh, monetary gain. And the same thing is here. So I know we've, we've talked about um, the maybe emotional uh, gain we gain from, from knowing the Lord and from having godliness in our lives. There definitely is that, and that, that isn't to be argued, but I think this is actually still talking about monetary gain, by the way, part of this. That would be neat because I know a lot of people consider other people who are successful in business or in their job as being greedy or not being humble when these people are actually fantastic people. They're generous and because they're successful in their job or their business, they help other people. Okay. And so how would that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so keep, keep going with that. Everyone, by the way. How does it help us have like great, great gain? Familiar, familiar with the, the Old Testament story of Jacob, right? Okay, so he, he, runs steals his brother's birth does everything he does things wrong right let's not use jacob let's use joseph that's a much better example okay jacob is <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Job. yeah sure sure talk about it john <laughs> i mean so <clears throat> this certainly isn't a universal rule but you know there's a lot of promises you know especially the ones that come to mind are those that are delivered to the Israelites right before they enter the land of Canaan, hmm. where God promises all kinds of blessings on them, you know, in terms of health, in terms of security, and, you know, especially in terms of material benefits, right? You know, he promises to bless the fields and the increase of their flocks um, if they follow the rules that he's given. So a lot of times, you know, with within modern Christianity, there's it's well, and it's not strictly 
it's not restricted to modern Christianity, but there's this idea that we need to deny ourselves, you know, that if you're not denying yourself and unless you're living a totally ascetic life, then you're not that close to God, right? But the promises that God gives, you know, and it, it, it's, they're more prevalent in the Old Testament for sure, but he does deliver, you know, he does give promises of material gain in this world too. Yeah, I, I, think, I think a lot of times we're, we're anti-materialistic because, because we hear things and, you know, especially like um, uh, sell all you own and give to the poor right? The, the parable, the rich young ruler, we hear stories like this and we're just like, Oh, okay. So we have to, we have to do that too. So that's not a bad idea. And I think that'd be a great thing to do. Um, and anybody that wants to do that or feels called to do that, I want to encourage them, but that that's not necessarily what everybody is called to do in the sense that there, there were people in the Bible that were ex- extremely wealthy. Let's think of the, um, uh, uh, Joseph of Arimathea, right? Who, who buys, um, um, he buys Jesus' burial site. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Is that the guy you're thinking of? Yeah. Yeah. That's him. Yeah. Yeah. And he has a lot of money and he uses it for the glory of the Lord. Right. Like he, he, this is so it's not, it's not like, uh, I actually, don't agree with Dave Ramsey on everything, okay, uh, that he teaches, but he does say something that's very interesting. Um, and he uses um, the, the analogy of a brick, okay? He, he holds up a brick. He's like, this is a, this is a brick. He's like, I, it's not evil and it's not good itself, right? Like I, what I do with it, I could use this brick and I, should, I could go throw it through the, the window of a house over there and take what was inside, okay? It's one option I could do with the brick. The other option is I could, I could build a house with it. I could build a school with it. Okay. So what, what you do with something um, is what is evil and is good, but an inanimate object is not evil or good. It, th- those things are never ascribed as evil or good in the Bible. Does that make sense? That's why, that's why, you know, we're going to get to verse 10 eventually, but, but in verse 10, he says, for the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, right? It's the emotion. It's the thing that we, it's the power that we give it. I listened to a Christian uh, rapper and he says, one of his main things is, um, is God over money. Like he, this is his big, one of his big themes. And he says, are you going to serve a living God or a dead president? And uh, that's one of my favorite lines. That's one of my favorite lines. But it's it's true. It's just like this, this monetary. Uh, let me read something for us. This was from the. Um, <clears throat> okay, this is from the uh, commentary on this. It says, "Money is not, as it stands, God's creation, but a human invention to make the exchange of goods easier and more flexible." The further it becomes removed from the goods themselves, and the more it becomes a good in itself, the closer we come to idolatry. A society which values wealth for its own sake, which is where the Western world uh, has been for the last few decades, has forgotten something vital about being human. Money itself is an evil, but as verse 10 famously puts it, loving money is not only evil, but the roots of all sorts of evils. 
Um, so look, money, money is powerful only because of like, what is it? It's a piece of paper with, I mean, think about this for a moment, right? Now, uh, yeah, go ahead, Brad. I was just going to ask the, the question because I agree with all that where it's just, uh, um, you're right, how you use it. But I think there's also that aspect where it's like, if God asked us, and that's where it's like, check your heart on that. If God asked you to give up everything, to give up all your money, would you do it? And like, that's, but I think, yeah, God over money. And I like that. Would you rather serve a living God or a dead president? I like that. But it's, I think the temptation now, because of money and amassing, like, not that I'm not opposed to that. And obviously it's, it's great. And, and there's also a comfortability aspect that personally, there's a scary aspect of that because it's easy to get into a comfortable zone. And I feel like that is, is dangerous, at least for me, to forget where my priority lies, which isn't necessarily, I don't want to say here on, I mean, it's, it's serving God. So um, where, however he's calling me. So I think it's just, it's just the, the temptation or the fear that the potential to be consumed by that, especially amassing more but then again i've i've got a roommate and um he's from vietnam actually he <laughs> he was supposed to fly back to vietnam in august but vietnam isn't allowing international flights in so he's stuck here until they you know until they open back up again but you know he's always talking about you know investing in the stock market and how it's all going to come crashing down which you know maybe maybe not but you know he, he's always talking about money and i ask him okay well you know he, I, I keep asking him okay well you know what once you get all of this money you know how much is enough right and he said well enough to provide for my family and this well i asked him okay well how much is that <laughs> yeah right because yeah i mean it is really easy to you know when you don't have any money, it's, you know, I mean, money is in a sense a necessity. It's not, it's, it's very difficult to, in fact, anymore, pretty much impossible to conduct life without having any money. The days of total independent self-sufficiency are pretty well gone. But when you're poor, it's, it can be very easy to focus on money almost to the exclusion of all else. Right. But if that mentality remains after you have a sufficient amount of money and then, you know, it, it can, it can consume you. So that would be a dangerous place to go. Yeah. 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 It would be a dangerous place to go. Did you have anything more, Rachel? Not on that thought. I like what you said, Brad, about it's easy to get comfortable in a certain place. And I was thinking, that is true, and it's really interesting. Probably some food for thought for me. Like, what is the balance between being uncomfortable and yet, on the other hand, being content with what God has provided for me? And it goes back to a conversation I've been having with somebody else. It's lots of thought going on. Good, good. And so I, I just like to just 
keep in mind actually that um, just because you're poor actually doesn't mean that you, you're hyper-focused on money. By the way, um, the happiest person my wife has ever seen um, was incredibly poor. Hey, Anson. <laughs> it's like this shadowy figure like floating by back back and forth and how did that go man sorry what how, how, did, how did the test go it went well good it didn't go well you could tell us what you could tell us if it didn't go well it's a safe place i thought it went well <laughs> Brad. I just. <laughs> I think it's being recorded or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. You have a person who wasn't taking the test tell me otherwise. <laughs> Sorry to our listeners, but uh, we we love each other here and we care about each other, so we're just checking up on our on our brother Anson there. All right. Um. So just just to push back a little bit on this is that um actually I. I would like to make the argument that it actually doesn't matter if you have no money, little money, or a ton of money. Um, your emotion about your emotional state or your feeling towards money can be just about anything. Okay. So my wife um, did a year of um, overseas stuff. What is that called? Study um, abroad. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, she, she, well, sort of. She, she, she did like missionary. She was like a missionary, basically. So a mission um, trip. Uh, but for a year. Extended mission trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's that? Student missionary. Yeah, that's right. And, and Lauren did this. Lauren, you can say better than I can because you actually did this stuff too. Now, do people need money to be happy? Or, or are they obsessed with money? Poor people. No, depends. Yeah, yeah, this is it, right? It, it just kind of depends on on a lot of things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. She tells me a story about this dude that would ride by on his bike that barely worked, and he had this bright fluorescent sweatshirt that he wore, and he had the biggest smile, and he just loved everybody on the way by. It didn't matter who they were. He, he just wanted to make their day. And that was the most important thing for him, you know? And then we do have other poor people that are obsessed with getting more money, right? But then you also have rich people on both of these spectrums as well. So I, I think we need to, to not forget that, that look, no matter what, where we're at on the spectrum, it's, it's more of like, this, this idea of, of greediness, okay? What is greediness? Love of money. Excessive yeah, okay. love of money. Yeah, yeah. Or or it can even be go outside of money. It's just more of more of what? Contentment. A lack of contentment? Is that what you said? Yeah. Coveting another's situation. Yeah. Okay. This is it. This is the the, the root word of greediness is actually in covetousness. Is desire someone else's things, okay? Um, which is uh, not good, right? Okay. It, it, it's like saying to God, like, you haven't given me enough and I want more. 
Okay. Mm -hmm. As soon as we start doing that, and uh, we, we run a great risk of actually taking advantage of certain situations um, or certain people um, for our own gain. When that becomes um, a, a, that greatest of a desire in our hearts, right? We, we actually um, are much more prone to taking advantage of people. Could you, uh, on a, well, a similar note, could you relate contentment to gratefulness? Because Paul, the amount of times I feel like he says with gratefulness or with thanksgiving, mm -hmm. I think that plays a role in being content, mm -hmm. I'd say to a degree. It's like to be thankful for where you're at, no matter the situation or what you have. I mean, that goes a long way. I mean, you are content if you are, if you could find you know, be thankful in those moments. I'm forgetting the verse, but he says somewhere, I've learned in whatever state I am, both to be a base and to abound to... What's that verse, Jonah? Philippians 3. I'm forgetting the verse. It's Philippians, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's Philippians 3. It's Philippians 4, I'm sorry. Yeah. 11. Somebody read for us. This is good. Not that I speak in respect to want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I know how to be get in poor circumstances, and I know how to get along. And okay, I'm messing this up. I was trying to do it off of a translation that I remember reading that makes more sense than King James. Maybe you should read it, Jonah, because I'm sure yours makes more sense than something out, out of date English. Well, I've got the King James too, but I'll give it a shot. I know how, how to both be humbled and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. So, in a lot of respects, mind over matter, right? <laughs> well, I mean, sure, but... But but it rises above that, right? Not, I mean, mind over matter is kind of a cliche, right? But it's more focusing on yourself. But Paul's not focusing on himself, right? He's focusing on something external to himself, which is Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Saying mind over matter would be like, okay, well, if you're poor, it's too bad for you. Get over it. And if you're mind over matter is much, much easier, but if you have enough money, right? Like it's much easier. Right. Um, and if you have enough, than if you're poor. So, um, so yeah, I would say he's actually focused actually not on what he has at all. He's like, if I have enough, that's great. If I don't have enough, and that's great. Like either way, uh, he's thankful. And it goes get back to what Brad was talking about, right? And just being thankful and grateful. And I, I actually do think that that is, a, um, that is an excellent way. By the way, um, this is something I've started. Uh, I read in my prayer book to start your prayers. Um, when you pray, start your prayer with being thankful to God. You start thanking him for, for basically anything Every time I go walking outside, I thank I thank him for just the beauty around. I thank him for the air that I'm clean air that I'm breathing, and and 
not even that, but just the chance for another day of life that he gives us. It's amazing, you know? And, and when you start to be thankful about that stuff, I think it does put into perspective uh, the importance of other things, which are they important? Maybe, sure. All right, um, if we, um, for we brought, verse seven says, for we brought nothing into the world, so neither do we have the power to carry anything out. How many people have seen the old Jimmy Stewart movie, You Can't Take It With You? Uh, of course, all the Bartram boys. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you haven't seen it, it's a fantastic movie. Highly recommended. What is it again? You Can't Take It With You. Which is which is elaborating on this, right? You know, so um, you know it, it sets up this paradigm between this rich banker who wants to acquire this property in order to tear it down and you know build a big development on it, and the guy that owns this property, basically, you know, <laughs> he's got a bunch of people living in his house, and they basically all just do whatever they want, right? And you know, when the question of money comes up, it's like, well, spend it now. I I can't take it with me when I'm dead. Yeah. Right. As I recall, he had the IRS knocking at his door, too. Yeah, I liked his philosophy about taxes. <laughs> but, I mean, it, anyway, so it, it kind of plays on that. And that, I, you know, it, to a certain extent, that kind of trivializes the idea, right? But oftentimes we can get, you know, we can adopt this insecurity about, you know, all right, well, what happens when the money runs out, right? Even if you've got, you know, 500000 or a million dollars sitting in your IRA, well, you think, well, that only allows me this much for this many years, right? And what if I live beyond that, right? But, you know. Yeah, what if you live beyond it? There's, a, there's an interesting thought that, you know, this is kind of dark. We're, we're all going to get eaten by worms one day. Unless Christ comes back. Yeah, right, exactly. Assuming Jesus doesn't, assuming we're all still here and, you know, at the end of our life, we're, we're all going to get eaten by, by worms, yeah. Um, it's just it's just the reality of our life, right? Like, this is, you're going to end up in the ground, and, and like, you're going it's, to, it's kind of a gross thought. Think about it, okay. Is this in reaction to Washington State now legalizing human composting? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I have no idea. Are you serious? Oh, wow. Yeah, they've legalized human composting now. It's a natural cycle of... But... <laughs> it's kind of gross. <laughs> it's a Washington. I, mean... I, I don't see an issue with it. I'd rather feed a tree, but you know... <laughs> But that's how we had that anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Harvest all my organs, give it to other people, and then just, you know, let nature take its course. And if loved ones are still around, just like grow plants out of me. So my life is like giving fruits to. All right. This is getting dark. All right. And twist all right. So um, <laughs> basically. Um, we come into the world naked. We ain't got nothing, right? Except for maybe what our parents give us. And actually, that is the same exact thing we leave this world with, is nothing but what our parents give us. 
No, no, no. What our parent gives us. Okay. So like genetic, like genetically. Ah, okay. Okay. So when we come into this world, pounds in between then and when I came into the world, that's true. Okay. Um, (laughs) But, but, um, okay. When you come into this world, you have only what your parents have given you, right? Or, Or what your inheritance is. I like that term better. That's a good biblical term, you know? Um, so this is actually the same exact thing when we leave this life, by the way. You, you have nothing but your inheritance from, from your father. That's it. So you're, you're actually leaving this world in the same way that you're entering it. And um, um, it's interesting when, when um, okay, I don't want to get too off topic here, but when you go to another country, okay, what must take place with our with our money? It needs to be exchanged for their their form of money. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So there is, uh, yeah, right. You have to transfer your money into making it something that actually is worth something in another country, right? Uh, I can't tell you how many times we had American dollars left over, and we were in we were in like the Jordan and stuff like that. And they're just like, we can't, what do you want us to do with that? Like, we can't do anything with that. Look, this is the same idea. Like when we use our money um, to benefit, to benefit God's kingdom, I think this is the same transaction that takes place by the way. Okay. I think there is an exchange um, of our own currency to, to, to heavenly currency. I know. Okay. Is that corny? A little corny. All right. Sorry. It, 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 I, I mean, it economizes the transaction more than most people would be comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe we didn't have enough time for that one, or maybe it was just bad altogether. Okay. Let's think about this. If we have time to, if we have time to go into it, I'd like to understand what you're more what you're saying. I'm, I'm not sure that it's worth our time. Um, well, I mean, that, I mean that, that idea might shed a little bit of light on what Jesus says is store up your treasures in heaven. Right. Right. Yeah. He's like, don't, don't do it here where moth and rust destroy and thieves come in, right? And, and they can steal. Uh, put it somewhere where there's it, nothing can happen to it. It is actually absolutely uh, secure. But in verse eight, he says this, he says, but if we have food and clothing, uh, we will be content with that. Let me ask you just as we're, I know it's 704. Um, Any y'all stayed in a hotel for longer than four or five days? I mean, a week, but. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been for longer than a week. Okay. Or somewhere else, like I guess. You You stayed in it for a week, right? Um, what what kind of furnishings did you put in the hotel? What? What what? How did you furnish your hotel room? Oh, I see. For staying there. Yeah. You didn't. Huh? You didn't. You were leaving. Basically. Yeah, but yeah, but you were there for a week. You should have furnished it, right? It was already furnished. Okay. I'm a bad person because I don't even furnish my own rooms. <laughs> You're a bachelor, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is yeah. driving away with it. <laughs> Get a wife, and then you'll have like nine pillows on your bed. And you're just like, why? Why? <laughs> Probably hurt me, though. 
<laughs> All the bachelors I know, except one or two, have very little, have very few things in their homes. Yeah, it's just, but but we're practical, right, Jonah? Like, I get it. Just like, we fill up the garage instead. Yeah, <laughs> things that we need to do, man stuff. That's right. Yeah. But anyway, back to your point, Jake. <laughs> okay. I what was it again? Hotel rooms. Ah yes. All right. So why why wouldn't I mean I guess it's a simple thing, but why wouldn't we furnish a hotel room? Not our home. Yeah, no, you're just gonna be leaving. It doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense to furnish your hotel room and spend money on it. It, it it's a it's insane. It's a waste, right? And um, that was one of the best illustrations I've heard of why we spend money in this life and why we pursue certain things. It's like, it's, it's basically like a, we, we think it's a long time that we live here and just, just ask somebody, my, my grandma's 95 and she's, you know, getting, getting to the point where she's losing her appetite. And, and you know what? She would say that, 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 uh, you know, it goes by in a blink of an eye. Just just yesterday, you know, she had all of her kids and she's got great grandchildren now and, and all this stuff. And it just goes by like that. Why would you why would you pursue something so worthless as money and, and monetary gain? It just doesn't it doesn't make any sense. But if we have food, if we have clothes and even our, our families, I think, in love. Right. Yeah, you should uh, rephrase that and say, why would you pursue it above? other things because I think you know like we were talking about earlier there is a practical aspect of of there's a functional aspect to it but if we put that above the things that actually we are going to take with us when we leave then yeah that's that's even better actually that's that's what idolatry is right is it's actually taking something out of its place and putting it higher than it should be okay most idolatry isn't like they're not bad things that are up there. We think I, all idols are bad. No, not necessarily. They're just out of place. I like mm -hmm. that. Thank you, Lauren. Yeah, and I I don't know how deep you want to get into it. I don't know how many of you guys have taken a psychology class, but there's in psychology there's this idea of um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So you know there's there's certain things that are basic, and then you can you know as you acquire the lower bases of or the lower levels of this hierarchy, then you work your way up, right? And so, you know, at the very bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is basically what Paul lists here, you know, food, clothing, and shelter, yeah. right? And then everything above that. So like the next step or the next rung on the hierarchy is like security. Yeah. But everything else above that, there's nothing financial about it at all. Right. You know, it's all like love, you know, relationships with your family, you know, and, you know, and then the purpose in life yeah. basically is everything above that. So, I mean, Paul, what Paul is describing is basically that, right. You know, in terms of material, material things, once you have the necessities, what do you need with anything more? Love it. Um, there's a little book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, and he was a, a Holocaust survivor. And he talks about um, just um, like um, the, the desires that actually left him 
when they began to starve or when they began to become too thirsty, you know, those became the most important things. It, the the desire for sex, the desire for for all the things he once deemed important were just it, it just they they became secondary. They became something that were actually wasn't even on his mind because he had a far greater need. And um, and he actually makes the point that out of the out of all the Holocaust survivors, there was one thing that kept um, all the survivors going. Without uh, most people, if they had nothing to live for outside of it whether it was a, um, a relationship, a marriage, kids, or, or their relationship with God, okay, some sort of relationship, those were the only people that actually made it out. Everybody else basically um, either gave themselves up or just quit or, or something like that because there was no, there was no drive. Uh, there was nothing left, you know, you'll, you'll just give up. And he, he makes the point that love is the, the strongest force on this earth. And there is nothing that that will um, actually even compare to it, and e even even hate. Um, he says love can even even conquer those things. So, and which goes back to Paul's statement is that three things last forever, right? Oh. Right. What is it, Lauren? Faith, hope, and love. Yes. Faith, hope, and love. Yeah, and the greatest of these is. Love. <laughs> love, love conquers all. Um, yeah, but it, it just goes to show, like, I think, I think when we do spend money in this round, all right. Um, <laughs> um, I think when when we um, before we make decisions um, and, and monitor our hearts um, with anything, uh, as far as like our motives, are they geared in this direction, right? For faith, hope, and love, are, are we are we taking into consideration the eternal, the things that are actually eternal, right? Instead of the things that are temporary. Temporary things aren't bad, but they should always serve the eternal purposes. I think. What do y'all think? <laughs> Three verses. Woo. <laughs> That's a big deal. That's a big deal. We we'll usually make it through one or two. Yeah, we won't look at the word count. <laughs> you know, Jonah, take small victories. All right, just take just. <laughs> hey, you know what, Jake? I'm content with it. Oh, my goodness. All right, for that, you get to pray for us. It's a good conversation. It was. It was good. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this word that has been preserved for us. And we can spend all of our lives and governments can spend thousands of and <laughs> millions and billions of research dollars arriving at the same truths that have been preserved for us. And so I would just pray that we would internalize these truths about what is truly important in life and that we would center and make the focus of our lives realizing those things which are truly important which is relationships with family and friends and love and most importantly our relationship with you and so i would just pray that we would be able to 
share these truths with people in our lives that might need to hear them. And I would pray that we would be lights in this world. Praise